the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. Hello, everyone. And as ever, this is the Free from the Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game, which is of interest to us. And one thing which is echoing throughout the uh, um, world of magic these days is the impending arrival of Return to Ravnica, one of the um, best-loved planes and uh, sets in our history. And... uh, one thing which was kind of disappointing from the original Ravnica is um, was the guild paran for um, uh, the Rakdos guild. As well as having a rather disappointing mechanic in Hellbent, they had a 6-6 six, six for 6 uh, flyer. What was it 7-6? Six, 6 or 7-6, six, thereabouts. Who, um, when he attacked, you had to sacrifice half your non-demon permanence, and if he hit then your opponent had to sacrifice half their non-demon permanents. I came up with some incredibly convoluted ways for making sure all my permanents, including lands with demons. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you did. Yeah, it was it was an interesting design, and it played into the whole concept of Rakdos being the guild of, you know, putting it all out there and not caring and sacrificing to get a bigger gain yeah. on your opponent. The problem is when that's all undone by an unsummoned... Uh, to really take the wind out of your sails. Yeah. Um, yes, we get it. It's all about nihilism and um, uh, discarding everything for the now, but it seems to miss the point that Ragnos really likes to have fun, conceptually. Yeah. So we have a new Ragdos to talk about. Ragdos, Lord of Riots. Black, black, red, red. 6-6, six, six, flying, trample. Yeah. It's a four mana six six demon. That's that's a great place to have him. Now, bit of a drawback: you can't cast Rakdos, Lord of Riots, unless an opponent lost life this turn. You're playing a red black deck, heavy red, heavy black. I'm sure you've dealt damage to your opponent somehow. Yeah, you you have to have found a way to sneak in at least a point of damage <laughs> up to this point if it's you're playing red black. I would hope. I mean, attack him, ping him, whatever. Um, drop your 6-6 six, six flying trampler. And there's an additional bonus. Creature spells you cast cost one less to cast for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. For those of you who like formats like um, uh, Commander or similar multiplayer formats, yeah. A card like Sizzle, which is a sorcery which deals three damage to each opponent, in a five-player commander game, gives you enough to drop a Blightsteel Colossus for free. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, some of the potential, like that's a and that's a huge bonus, and that's the way it sh- it should be. I think this is actually a really, it's a great build around me, Rakdos, which obviously just you know calls to Commander immediately because 
you're guaranteed to draw him, having him in your commander uh, zone. So, yes, great card, very interesting. And with a four-mana converted mana cost, not out of the reach even in formats like modern. No. I mean, you switch... You swing for this guy, he hits your opponent for six, even if he's the only card in play. Bam! You've suddenly got a free worm coil engine or whatever six mana bomb uh, artifact um, creature rare is um, to hand. Yeah, I'm already trying to dream up some crazy stuff, just like you said. Like, I imagine, like, turn four, like, I can gut shot my opponent and play Rakdos, and the next turn you attack, and then, yeah, like you said, you can get a free worm coil engine, you can get a severely discounted shield red. Um, just <laughs> there's there's all sorts of wacky possibilities. Um, and even if you even if you've just got a bunch of Mir, mm-hmm. you could um, gut shot your opponent, cast him turn four, and empty your entire hand just from the strength of the uh, gut shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's got a lot more potential than the last version of Rakdos did, and is very very compelling. Um, mm. I kind of like the art on the original better, but that's you know personal opinion there. But I certainly like the card this time um, around a lot better. Yeah, I like the way he's uh, effectively, um, effectively partying with his minions, if you will. It's it's, it's more of a um, uh, let's go out there and cause some mayhem kind of art rather than the original just uh, um, nihilistic attacking. Yeah, like I can already see like just building modern decks for fun is playing. I think I'm going to play this card until I get to go turn, like, play Rakdos, and then attack, and, like, the next turn attack with him, uh, Grave Titan, Inferno Titan. Like, I'm gonna keep playing some kind of deck with him until I get to follow up with Double Titan the next turn. Or even Treble Titan. <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> oh, goodness. Beautiful card. So what have you seen? Um, there's a couple of cards that have come out in the last week that have really caught my attention, and probably the biggest one is Underworld Connections. Um, it's a one and a black, a black, three mana total for an enchant land, enchantment aura, enchant land, and the enchanted land has tap, pay one life, draw a card. Um, pretty potent effect, very similar, obviously, to Phyrexian Arena, and it just got me to think, like, in some in, in some environments, would I play Phyrexian Arena if it said, uh, as it comes into play, sacrifice a land? And I think I probably would. In a lot of formats, I would play that card, even if Phyrexian Arena had that. And you're not even technically sacrificing land, because you can still tap it for mana as well. Now, 95% of the time, you're going to tap it, pay a life, and draw a card. But the fact that you still have the mana available, so you're not actually set back in development, just kind of virtually set back, makes this a great card. I look at that, and I think, oh, the elf, um, pay one life, draw a card. Garuk Wildspeaker, pay one life, draw a card, or potentially pay two life, draw two cards. Oh, well, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, like in a black-green deck, using Arbor Elf and putting it on your, your overgrown tomb or something. And yep, or, or just regular forest. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah, that's even better. <laughs> okay. Or even something, something like old-school deserted temple, untapped target land. Yeah, but I, I, it's a great card. I'm happy to see it, see print, especially because they've given, they've tried to create a lot of tools to make um, non-guild decks playable, and if you look over the last couple sets, we have a lot of good pieces to put in place for Mono Black. Obviously, the new Liliana plays strongly in a Mono Black deck. We have Mutilate, uh, Black Sun Zenith, under, now Underworld Connections. There's a lot of things. They always try to, to put other strategies out there and available. And Mono Black Control 
is always a deck that people seem to want to build, even though a lot of the time it just doesn't end up being good enough. Uh, people always try for it. And this is this be. is a good piece. Like mod- Black decks have done a lot better in Standard when they've had Phyrexian Arena than when they haven't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... They're definitely going all out. I mean, everything from Mutilate, Black Sun Zenith, this. There's a lot of good mono-black stuff out there. Absolutely. Um, they're, they're really giving you the tools to try and make that available. And they, and they have given the two things that black has needed to be successful, Wrath Effects and Card Advantage. So, mm. so we'll see. I think there's a legitimate chance that mono-black might be able to do something uh, with the pieces that we've got so far. Yeah. Now, thinking of um, just might do something... There's a card which um, is close to my heart and certainly my sensibilities uh, in that it it's a little bit powerful. It has, it has a great deal of potential if you're able to invest in it. Uh, the card is Epic Experiment, which is evocative in and of itself. It's a mythic uh, X blue red sorcery. Exile the top X cards of your library. For each instant or sorcery with converted mana X or less among them, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then put all cards exiled this way that weren't cast into your graveyard. Yeah, those of you who have played um, various uh, Genesis Wave decks know what this effect can do. Yeah, it's pretty pretty potent, um, especially given that spells can just be so much more powerful and so much more impactful than creatures. And when I saw this, there were two things that immediately sprung to my mind. I read this card. A, this is one of the most AJ-ish cards I've ever seen, uh, as soon as I read it. And then B, like we talked about, you know, how can I get X to equal 9 so that I can hit a world fire and kill my opponent? Yep. That's uh, pretty much right up there. Um, or even X equals 7 and just get a few ultimatums. Several. <laughs> get, get all the ultimatums. Yes. Stack your deck so you've got a ton of ultimatums on top. Nine mana, X equals seven. Um, cruel, 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 titanic, um, violent. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that is pretty violent. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah, but a fun card for sure, and I, I, I'm sure we'll see a deck list from you soon uh, that can go mad with epic experiments. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Maybe um, is it Signet and the um, uh, Cloudpost uh, mana base to uh, pump out um, ooh, dozens of uh, golems? Yeah. Uh, say, for example, Blightsteel, Blightsteel, um, Sundering Titan. Good times. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely some fun to be had um, casting lots of free spells. Um, another card that really caught my eye that we've had, mostly be in, and not in a positive way, just more in an oh man, why would they do this to me way um, and that's Centaur Healer um, we already had Loxodon Smiter spoiled as kind of the the big guy that's going to get in the way of you know aggro decks creating a huge wall that they can't deal with, but I see this guy is an even bigger threat to like mono red type of strategies, and that's a one a green and a white for a 3-3 three, three, when Centaur Healer enters the battlefield, you gain three life. So a slightly shrunken version of um, Loxodon High Arc without the regenerating uh, all your other creatures' ability. 
but man, does this hurt. Yeah. I mean, this is um, the cathodion to uh, Loxton Hierarch's uh, Su Chi. Seriously, yeah, it's... Ah, I just... I, I, and it's common. Yeah, and I, I, I'm just... I'm, I'm annoyed by this card, because I... It undoes so much of what you do in red because you they already take back a lightning bolt, um, and we don't even have lightning bolt, um, but they take it back anyways. And then you have to deal with this three three creature, which you either need to, you know, trade with if you can find some three three, or you have to waste like a searing spear incinerate type card to get it out of the way. So you know, like looking at it under the philosophy of fire concept of red, it's a huge disadvantage that you have to overcome. And I get the feeling will be a thorn in my side for quite a while. Yeah. Red deck takes its ball and goes home. Pretty much, man. Well, you never know. You could uh, splash out for a Havoc Festival. Yeah, I'll have to figure out something. The problem is he comes out quite a bit sooner than Havoc Festival. A little bit, yeah. Oh, well. We'll think of something. Yeah, I'm sure You know, we always get some way around it. There's all you know, you can always fight through the hate most of the time. Couldn't always fight through core firewalker. Um but typically. <laughs> well core firewalker you could technically um kill it with a um uh, whatchamacallit uh Valakut. Yeah, that's true. But then if you're playing Valakut, that's not so much red burn as that was combo yeah. off in your face. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. I'd like to play a version of um, the old Redburn things, which um, just ran Valakut Raw, just as a um, late game additional option. That's, if you if yeah. if all you're doing is top decking land, you might as well hurt people with them. Yeah, no, and that's true. I re- I do remember seeing that in some red decks where you got to the which was great because then you got to the point you know where red decks inevitably do where your opponent's at like six or seven and you're out of cards and you can't kill them. And normally you draw land and you're like, oh, I just need a spell. Whereas you had Valakut, you're like, oh, sweet, lightning bolt you. <laughs> exactly. It's it's just added value, and that's no bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, other cards that caught my eye. There was um, one, not particularly a splashy card in its original form, but um, certainly uh, one which is incredibly useful. And that is Detention Sphere. Those of you who've um, played Magic are familiar with a certain um, Oblivion Ring, three-mana enchantment, which you play it to exile a unwanted uh, enemy target thing. Detention Sphere is Echoing Oblivion Ring. In the style of the uh, original Echoing spells from Darksteel. When it comes into play, exile target non-land permanent, not named detention sphere, and all other permanents with the same name as that permanent. Um, a slightly more convoluted clause than the um, original um, Oblivion Ring to avoid you exiling in an infinite chain detention sphere with detention sphere by detention sphere. Yeah, I mean they, and that, and this does completely eliminate. They're always, we always joke about creating some bizarre scenario where. The only permanent in play is an Oblivion Ring that has an Oblivion Ring under it, and then a third Oblivion Ring is played, and then suddenly the game goes into an infinite Oblivion Ring loop. Um, but with Detention Sphere, because it says not named Detention Sphere, it is completely shut down. But that's not the point of the card. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the point of the card is being able to do an oblivion ring loop with a combination of oblivion rings and attention spheres. <laughs> ah. Or you play your defense attention sphere and take away your opponent's planeswalker. <laughs> or more to the point, their entire army of tokens. Yeah, as I say, and that's and they don't get them back. Yeah, and that's the bonus here is because we have Selesnia, um, and it's threat to churn out tokens, and we already have cards like Lingering Souls and, um, what's the the Fateful Hour one from? Uh, yes. Um, they can make five tokens, five human tokens. Uh, we have ways to make lots and lots of tokens of the same type, and Detention Spear just says, three mana, wrath one of your types of tokens. And that's yes. great. And then if you can find a way to reload it, you're even better off. Mm-hmm. I mean, the real trick would be to um, uh, have this and say, um, it's not quite doable in um, uh, modern, but... Um, if we get a card like Riptide Replic- Replicator, name a um, creature type, generator token of that type, you could, um, even if the thing's had to frow you, get rid of them. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, because then you could target uh, your own in that situation. There's, there's a lot of fun tricks to be had with it, um, but it's certainly a great safety valve in that you can, and again, it's very playable because you can just play it and it's, you know, I say just, I put air quotes, just Oblivion Ring. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, against tokens or against, you know, the Miracle Doll where your opponent has two copies of the same creature beating you down. Um, it's a great takeaway there. Yep. Or even both with the new rat. Oh, yeah, the pack rat. Yep. There's lots of fun stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one card that just kind of I think is interesting. I'm not sure what I want to do with it yet, but it certainly is, seems cool. And that's Fairy Imposter uh, that was pulled recently. One mana, one blue mana for a 2-1 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless you return another creature you control to your hand. Um, I think we had a similar card to this. We had the Drake uh, from Ravnica. Yeah. It was one in the blue. It was, so it was a 2 mana 2-1 flyer. They did, like, the same thing. Now we get it at one mana. Uh, power creep. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a very cool card, and obviously there are going to be ways to use and abuse its effect to reload uh, into the battlefield effects. Yep. Not sure what exactly I want to do with it, but it certainly has great potential. Let's see. And then one other card, just kind of a minor one, that uh, I think is interesting, and that's Ultimate Price. Yeah. Uh, one in a black, a... destroy target, mono-colored creature. Yeah. Nicely straightforward removal. Um, I suppose the closest card to it would be its opposite, uh, pure, which would uh, destroy target um, multicolored permanent, which is uh, the uh, cheap Vindicate in um, Kaleidoscope yeah. decks back in the day. Yeah, very true. Um, and it's just it's a fun variant. I'm, I like that they come up with these they've come up with these block-specific Doom Blades, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had Doom Blade, and then we had Go for the Throat, and now we have Ultimate Price. Um, we had Victim of the Night um, in Innistrad as well, which is kind of similar. And cards that may not be yep. great in their block formats, or maybe even in their standard formats, but um, in bigger formats, create interesting options. Uh, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you can imagine how good this would be in modern, for example. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. AJ, you got anything else uh, you saw interesting? Yeah, let's finish off with Mercurial Chemister, a um, five mana two three rare. I know, I know. Wait for it. Um, <laughs> You're like that. Started off bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, three colorless, one blue, one red, with blue tap, draw two cards. <laughs> I can't get over that. Like even you know we talked about a, a, that is ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, a slightly cheaper, um, slightly more expensive activate. Um, uh, Arcanus the Omnipotent, which was always a fun card. Yeah. And also, on top of that, red tap discard a card. Mercurial Chemistry deals damage to target creature equal to the discarded card's converted mana cost. So yeah, uh, drop something in my graveyard for reanimation, kill your guy. Yeah, it's... Jeez, man, like... I don't think I'm, if my opponent has access to blue and red mana and I'm playing Return to Ravnica Limited, I think I'm always going to keep a removal spell in my hand and and not waste it because I'm always going to say, what if he has Mercurial Chemistry? Um, because if you don't blow that thing up while it's still summoning sick, you you just lose the game. <laughs> yeah. It's just over. Massive weight of card advantage, or at the very least, massive wave of removal. Yeah, I just... Jeez. Like... Yeah, like, if my opponent has blue and red mana, I, I think I'll never be able to blow... I don't care what... Like, unless it's Niv-Mizzet, and, like, <laughs> that's the only other creature I'd rather waste removal on. I'm always going to want to blow something up and be like, no, what if he has Chemister? And I'm going to have to wait. <laughs> and, of course, you're going to play somebody who manages to get a foil Niv-Mizzet and a uh, couple of Mikio Chemisters uh, yeah. in their sealed deck. Yeah, of course. I'm sure, you know, got to run into it eventually. Um, it'll be brutal, but... Oi... Yeah, I'd be interested. I'm not. I don't know that he's powerful enough to make a shift to uh, constructed, like tournament formats. He's certainly a fun card, and in limited, he's an yeah. absolute beast. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Yeah, like I said, five minute, um, uh, two three. So probably not all that great outside of uh, limited. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be possible, like as a sideboard card, if the format shifts to, like, a more controlling-ish deck format. Um, Because in a control mirror, that guy would be bonkers. Yeah. But, yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff. Um, And we're getting close here. We've got 127 cards spoiled, and at the rate they're getting spoiled, we should have um, most of the set uh, by next week, if not all of it, I'd imagine. I think by the end of next week, they'll have the... um Full spoiler on the site. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, they do the Monday before the pre-release. They release the whole spoiler, don't they? Yeah. So um, we might be short some cards when we're doing the next next week's podcast recording, uh, but all the cards will be out by then. Yep. Looking forward to it and uh, certainly hoping to uh, get to play some of this. This is, uh, this is, this is the most enthusing and uh, awesome set to preview probably since it is tried i i would say so yeah this may actually motivate me to you know again put on some pants and and wander into the real world of magic just to to try this out um mm. before magic online hits which i haven't really done since Innistrad came out i haven't really played uh magic with pants on 
that's pretty much a success. They've definitely got better at it. I mean, if you think about it, Innistrad, very much a flavorful home run. Um, Mirrodin, to an extent, I'd say. Yeah. Returning to the place is certainly a good thing. Yeah, it was. I think it was their it was their trial run of the stylistic version of making ma- uh, blocks of magic. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from just you know like jumping from world to world and coming up with the concepts, like they really tried to put together a strong storyline with Mirrodin, and they did a you know a pretty good job there. And they seem to have just clearly gotten better uh, next with Innistrad, and then obviously hopefully with Return to Ravnica. It looks like we're seeing that they're really growing and improving in their block design with each set. Yeah. We've hit upon some things which are really winning ideas. Let's keep hitting them. So, teams are working. Yeah, so uh, good stuff. Okay. Um, Other small bit of news we had, there were some issues with PayPal payments um, last week. They did get that cleared up, and PayPal, I'm not sure if it's back up and running yet, um, but they did get all those orders processed, and because of, of the delay... You should have received a Magic 2013 pack, draft pack, um, in addition to whatever you ordered through PayPal. Um, yeah. Just a decent bonus for being significantly delayed, but I mean, if you missed out on a tournament, that's unfortunate. There's not much they can do about that. Yeah. So, uh, sorry you missed your tourney. Here's some gold. Yeah, you know, that's just kind of the best they can do. They can't go back in time and, and fix it because they don't have a, a DeLorean readily available. <sighs> well... Not outside the unsets, anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, if you didn't get that, I would email them and make sure you did get your uh, extra M13 cards. And, you know, in the future, maybe put it on a credit card instead of PayPal, I guess. Yeah. And or invest in sending a DeLorean to Wizards. <laughs> those are those are all of your options. <laughs> yes. We want, it where, we want it there last week, damn it. <laughs> exactly. All right, that kind of covers all of our news, so why don't we talk a little bit about some prices? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what's up and what's down. Um, currently bossing most standard formats is the uh, jaw-dropping Bonfire of the Damned, which is uh, burning out wallets at uh, currently just over 42 tickets apiece. Yeah, it's got quite the hefty price tag. and I mean, it's it's just a good card. <laughs> like, there's not a whole lot to say. And also, I think part of we're seeing a lot because if you look at these lists, we kind of just took the the big money cards um, from Innistrad forward, and mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of money to be found in Avacyn Restored. And I know it wasn't the greatest limited and sealed format uh, for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and also being the last set in the block, even though it was triple drafted, it was a large set. So we may be seeing some price inflation on that set um, from not being open as much. Because I know a lot of people that I talked to who had played it initially, they were kind of all right on it. And they are like, eh, and then they made their way back to uh, Innistrad Dark Ascension Limited. Um, so it's yeah. very possible that this set did not get opened in high enough quantities to help bring in these prices. Because we have a lot of Mythics that are in the $10 to $15 range. Um, yeah. And several rares that are up there, you know, with Cavern of Souls and Restoration Angel. Um, being pretty valuable rares. Yep. I'm quite intrigued by how many miracles if, um, are doing well. Besides Bonfire the Damned, you've got uh, Entreat the Angels at um, 14.5, uh, Temporal Mastery 10.75. Even Terminus is maintaining respectable 2.25 for a rat. Yeah, for a six-mana rat, that's pretty good. Um, obviously, people like it for the one-mana rat version. 
yeah. <laughs> but yeah, very good. I made sure to get a set because yeah, why not? What's not to like? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It's I mean, it's seen, even seeing play in formats as far back as like Legacy, um, because you have the ability to you know brainstorm and set to binding top and set up the terminus at your leisure, um, which is great. Mm-hmm. Now, looking down the lists, we see um, various planeswalkers are pretty much um, ruling the roost as they usually do. Uh, back to Innistrad, you have Lily of the Veil at uh, 27, Garuk Relentless at 13, um, Soren at about 15. Yep, yeah. Tamios at uh, a little over 16. Um, and in the uh, core set, we have Ajani at uh, 8.9 and Lily at uh, 7.4. Yeah, it's it takes a lot to be, you know, a bad planeswalker, unless you're red. Then it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, sorry, Chandra no and Tibble, but... Uh... Oh, Tibble does not deserve an apology. <laughs> Man, I've, I've tried to... I've played a lot of... De- built a lot of weird mono-red decks to try and make that card good. And even when you're a two-mana planeswalker, <laughs> like, other than one time, I, I did get to go off on a guy with uh, Reforge the Soul and a minus four on Tibble to finish him off, which was pretty fun. But other than that... <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's something which um, Paul Light and I have been trying to crack a bit. He uh, finally um, managed to get some mileage out of a um, Burning Vengeance deck with it. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I did. I tried that one for a brief period of time. It did not work that well. Uh, I'm glad yeah. he found some success with it. But yeah, red planeswalkers. Uh, is that's the easiest way to be the bargain bin planeswalker? But other than that, yeah, like you said, holding value pretty yep. pretty respectably. Sole counter exception would be Koth. Yeah, Koth was he was pretty good in his day. Mm-hmm. Let's hope they can get more like Goth and less like Tybalt. Yes. <laughs> a couple of interesting ones I wanted to point out. Other cards. Falconrath Aristocrat. I did not realize this card had gone up this much. Um, mm. I knew it had seen some play, and I figured it was like, you know, an 8 or $10 Mythic, because for a long time, it had kind of languished at like the 4 and $5 range. But apparently it is almost 19 tickets um, yeah. for Falconrath Aristocrat. But you know, a flying, sometimes indestructible 4-1 or 5-2 is really quite good. Yeah. I mean, I always liked the card. I just I didn't realize it had gone up that much. And um, yeah. I guess it's got these partners in crime here, um, Geralt's Messenger and Gravecrawler, which have not only risen from the grave, but also out of the bargain bin and made their way up to about nine bucks each. Yeah. Um, Zombies is clearly a deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Yep. Crescent Traft, as, as would be expected, is at 29. Hunt Marshal of the Fells, sticking just under 20. Um, they're good mythics. They show it. Yeah. Um, and we're just kind of seeing the creep of, of good cards that we see as they um, are not drafted in near quantities they were before, like the, the lands, for example, from Innistrad. Um, for a long time, sat around at like 0.5 and 1. Have now made their way up to about $3 each uh, on average for Clifftop Retreat, Isolated Chapel, Sulphur Falls, Woodland Cemetery, and Hinterland Harbor. Hmm. So, 
Good stuff. All right. Yep. So that'll bring us to our question of the week. AJ? Yep. What haven't you seen yet in the Return to Ravnica spoilers that you hope to see? Man, I, I just – I don't know. Like looking at it, I – I like I do know I like what I see. Um, I know there there are some cards that I would like to see that I can't imagine will get back. Things like the bounce lands, uh, which are not coming back, obviously. Um, but nothing springs out to mind as something I would like to see. I'd like to see. I guess the only thing I could say is um, some more good cards for like mono red, similar to Ash Zealot. Like they did talk about that being like. Um, a hate bear for red, uh, which works against like Snapcaster Mage and other graveyard strategies. But I just, I, especially now that I see the, you know, the Centaur Healer and the three mana four four walls that get in the way of, you know, successful red burn decks, I would like to see like a couple more tools for that because I feel like Mono Black has got some love. Obviously, all the guild stuff's got some love. You know, where's my where's my Lightning Bolt power level card? <laughs> not, I don't, I'm not asking for Lightning Bolt. I'm just saying, you know, something. In that vein of power level four red. Yeah. Now let's see. Uh, like you, I'm looking at uh, looking at what I see, and I like what we're getting. Um, maybe something. One thing I was um, very eager to see is another weird. We have one so far. A uh, fun little untapping, growing one, which. Um, gets bigger with instants and sorceries but I'd really like to see um, just a couple more to flesh out the tribal deck because it's one of his big failings is whenever they have a blue-red unique tribe they don't tend to do many members for it because those two are the spell colors yeah that's true they left you hanging with uh, like weird the noggles right yeah <laughs> But hey, you know, like you said, one more and you can get truly weird. Yep. And people who know me know that true weirdness is where I'm right at home. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Um, all right. But yeah, but there's something else that uh, you feel like is missing. And again, not that we, we are loving this set. Um, we've been talking about it a lot. And just going through the spoilers when we're getting ready for this, we're like, man, there's so many fun cards. It looks exciting. But is there anything else missing that you want to see? There's still some space. We got, you know, over 100 cards to fit into the set. Mm -hmm. So let us know what you would like to see. All right. AJ, uh, what you been playing? Well, it was uh, quite a special event at the weekend. Um, Vantar, who's the uh, gentleman behind the statistics for all the um, uh, Tribal Apocalypse events and a few uh, other things besides, has gone and gotten married. So we're we had a special event to commemorate this. Um, he's a bit of a kindred spirit. He prefers to play uh, oddball, unusual tribes, mopping up in virgin and endangered prizes, or at least the ones which I'm not getting. Um, and he, this one was a um, the only legal tribes were ones that he had played in the previous year. <laughs> That's interesting. Yep. Um, the Winning deck was um, uh, a duplicate Imp Dredge deck run by both Ranth and um, uh, Dirty Duck. Uh, I went with a variant of a Gargoyle deck, which um, I previously 3-0'd uh, with, um, with a few other nastier tricks involved. 
Um, did quite well. Uh, lost only to uh, one of the dredgers. Um, had fun. All right. Good deal. Congratulations to uh, Vantar. And it's a fun little event. I love the the interesting restrictions you guys can come up with in your you know the format that you do. It really, I guess you know as they always talk about like the restrictions really help some create some interesting creativity as far as deck building goes. You always have some fun stories. Absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, um, on my way to the top, I blasted through jellyfish and uh, oh, what was the other one? Um, oh yes, aurochs. Ah, uh, aurochs. <laughs> Good time. But yeah, this running a fairly nasty um, twelve post deck laden with um, uh, all his dust and uh, oblivion stone, whilst dropping a ton of indestructible creatures. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good, pretty good. All right. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I've just been um, continuing to play Classic. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of free time, so the only time I've really got to play on Magic Online has been for the uh, the Qualifier League. Um, and it is it is fun. It's, it's interesting that uh, I've now played five rounds in the tournament, and I've faced five unique decks um, <laughs> in there, which is really cool. Um, and just it says a lot about the format. You know, you get a lot of comments about how it's very stale and overpowered, but they've been interesting matches for the most part. Obviously, there are some games that are blowouts um, because there are some cards that are just so overwhelmingly powerful in the format. But it is a really fun format, and I I, I do love the the ease it offers me on those in these times when I do get really busy because I don't have to do a whole lot to change my deck, even from sets. Like I can play decks that I built over a year ago, and they're still fairly current. Obviously, there are some guys that do a lot of work on the format and really try to push the metagame. Um, but oftentimes, like a deck that was good several months ago can continue to be good um, just by virtue of the power level of the format. Yeah. And of course, there's uh, usually a forgotten card here or there that you can calmly woods into a few victories. Absolutely, yeah. You see some guys like that are really um, being successful. With... I saw I saw Query and Dryad. Um, really tearing up in a in a classic daily the other day, um, and it's just not a card you typically associate with classic. Um, but I mean, it's you know it was good. It worked very well. So Miracle Grow was back in the, was good back in the day. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if it works, it works. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of Freed from the Real. Um, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, Key and AJ will say uh, see you next week. See you next week.